Hello. I am not Dustin Perry. If you're expecting to hear Dustin Perry, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm James, and I am joined by my bro, both in biological life and spiritual metaphysical life. Uh, my bro, Maddie. Maddie, how are you? Good, how are you? That's like, I know we're Catholic and all. Well, not practicing Catholics, but I was wondering what path you were going down there for a sec. I, uh, yeah, that's the path I chose. Um, we are two members of the 43.6 podcast, the sports podcast you always wanted. I hope I did Dustin justice. Dustin is not here. Like I said, it's, we're flying as a duo because Dustin is in the sunny state of Florida catching God's waiting room, God's waiting room, catching 46 cases of COVID. Uh, that's that he's going to come back I mean, with all variants. Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. He's going to get every variant. Yeah. He'll, he's like, he's the secret wars of COVID when he comes back, all the variants will be in one film. I mean, being in Florida, it seems like out of everywhere in the States and like, obviously a lot's more lacking in terms of like the restrictions we used to have, but it's still very prevalent. It's more of just, you know, manage your risk as much as possible. But I feel like Florida's that one place that from the get-go just for like put up with it for like two months and said, fuck it, we're not doing this. You know, they're going to like, they're going to lose half their population in the first six months of it. Anyway, they were like, fuck it. Yeah. Open it up. I feel, yeah. I mean, that's, that's leadership, right? That's what that is. But what's um, that fuck's name again in Florida? Ron DeSantis. Is that him? Yeah. Ron DeSantis. What um, a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know he yeah. just like the name is punch gives me reason to like want to punch the dude in the teeth like he's yeah. got a punchable name yeah i mean he's he's they also got like the whole like don't say gay thing which i mean whatever it's so like it's so fucking petty um when you think about grown-ass individuals and like government officials it's just like if you look into it it's just so petty but anyway the dude's out there in florida doing the the disney universal rounds making us jealous jealous. i've seen his instagram i know man's at galaxy's (laughs) edge man's at uh uh, what else he's doing is he he Avengers campus? like the yeah the avengers compound he did harry potter he did wizarding world of harry potter i know for you that's not really a thing you're like fuck it i don't care no don't care but the fact that like i'm a big like harry potter guy um and like my wife is obviously too um and like a couple friends and like we were talking about it and seeing him there and i'm like you fuck i don't know i'm going i you know what fuck it i'm going next year even if i have to go by myself no we're gonna go we're gonna bring the kid um and you know well kid yeah you know and any other kids that may want to join um and we will uh we'll have a good time you know well i i think we'll have a good time we'll probably just leave him in the dust be like screw off sit here (laughs) yeah i'm making my lightsaber leave me alone um so yeah, so I hope Dustin is enjoying his time. Uh, you know, we asked if he wanted to join in from phone. He said, "Fuck no." So, <laughs> you know, Too uh, that being said, I guess we always check in with the things we've been up to in the past week. I know, you know, we see each other on a regular basis, but the listening audience doesn't. So why don't you fill them in on what you've been up to? Uh, finally, like getting my setup how i like it in this office i finally got an actual mic which i'm sure the difference can be heard um another thing will maybe soon 
put these up on YouTube um, mm -hmm. because I also finally upgraded and got a camera. I'm no longer, you know, a day one bitch, <laughs> you know, a little pleb, uh, you know, so I got that. And now I'm like at the point where it's just like, I'm putting LED lights everywhere, to be honest. Like, it's a thing. Well, you helped me set up the lights for the TV, which is like the coolest thing ever. You know, I thought it was going to be really gimmicky where it's, you know, it changes a little bit and every now and then, but the response time on that shit is unreal and never thought I'd be here today with like that kind of <laughs> technology. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's LEDs reacting to the color on your screen, but it's yeah. the best. Dude. I remember when, remember the, remember when Dave lived in our basement. So Dave was, a, used to be a mutual friend of ours. And he lived with us and he lived in our basement. I remember when he got, uh, I think he bought an Xbox 360. Uh, or no, I had bought an Xbox No, you bought it. On eBay. Yeah, and he, I bought it on eBay yeah. and it didn't work. <laughs> it came red ringed, if you remember the red ring. Yeah, I did. And uh, I remember being so stoked that we were playing Oblivion and being like, this is the pinnacle of technology, you know? And now here we are. And if you've seen like all the stuff we've seen probably since then, and even like, even these lights, man, like when I... When I watch, uh, what was I watching with the kid? I was watching Wreck-It Ralph. When I watch Wreck-It Ralph with the kid, it's like, all the, like there's so many different areas they go to and all the lights change color. It's really fucking cool. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I mean, as soon as you get into LEDs and RGB, like it's kind of, it's kind of all consuming, which is really weird because you would think it would be the most, like annoying irritating thing is just like rainbow puke of colors everywhere all the time but like for some reason it just i don't know it just works it's like a dedicated hobby like led planning for shit it's because you can do so much now with there's the rope lights there's the tube lights there's the strips there's the bars there's the reactive lights there's sound there's video reacting lights there's so much you can do with it now and you can have like different scenes and functions. It's turning out to be like this dedicated hobby culture of like LED lighting. And it's it's oddly satisfying though when you get it set up the way you want and it looks kind of relatively close to how you picture it in your head when it's not professionally done or like these people you see on Instagram or some shit that it's you're, you just want more and you never have enough. And I think Razer got way ahead of that with all their rgb everything and people are like this is dumb and they were just no they were just 10 years ahead yeah well the but. thing like i don't i never used pinterest until um i was trying to get ideas on how to do my room and then i used pinterest and like now every day it's a notification on my phone it's like new ideas for gaming room and it's just all the same shit like it's just all lights under shelves like i installed two shelves above myself like, I guess if that's what I've been up to, I installed two <laughs> shelves, made it, made a bunch of holes in the wall, had to patch a few. Um, and yeah, it's just like RGB earth. Yeah. You know me. Yeah, RGB. Yeah. You know me. RG three no. uh, joining Monday night broadcast, but we're not going to talk about that. But yeah. Um, uh, so the, there's that getting off set up and addicted to Korean dramas. What's like K dramas, dude. No, you don't even understand. You don't even know. I don't. Old Dane Cook reference. You don't even know. Um, it's 
I don't know what it is, man. They just do like humor mixed with like the romance mixed with the, you know, fantasy aspect. So there's a lot of the ones I watch with my wife and full disclosure, she is Korean. So that's my gateway into Korean culture. Um, Cause like, I never thought I'm like, this is dumb. And then K-pop became so catchy. I've said it a few times and I'm just like, fuckers. <laughs> and now it's K-dramas because the one we watched was called before was called Hotel de Luna. It's about this like girl who's barred from the afterlife and runs this hotel, which is a hotel for dead people. And essentially they're stuck until they finish their kind of last rites. Mm-hmm. and so she helps them but they need a like a hotel manager that's a living person and so like this dude falls for this girl and blah 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 it's a really good show but there's a new one we're watching called alchemy of souls which is like set in like this fantasy kind of era uh place in korea and it's about this girl who's like this assassin and then she's on the run she's about to die but she shifts her soul into this other person's body but when she does she loses all her power and she becomes a servant for this high-ranking like noble uh, who's also training to be a mage. And so they kind of like mutually, he says, you help me become a mage. And like really powerful. He's like, I'll help you get your power back. Really good. Sounds really convoluted. <laughs> I, on it the is, other hand. But it's, I'm addicted. So <laughs> I, I, what would you get up to? I started watching Last Dance. I've never watched it. So um... Wait, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Stop for a second. <laughs> You're telling me arguably the greatest sports documentary ever made you'd never watched it and yeah, i've talked about it to you i know ad nauseum uh, people have and i i no word of a lie i um i pretend when people talk to me i pretend like i've seen it because i feel like such a loser having not seen it but um it's you know you should it's incredible how little you know, even doing this podcast and and the things we talk about, how little we know about what goes on in these scenarios and like the people who are involved, like their feelings, their perceptions, you know, like how, you know, growing up, all I knew about Dennis Rodman is he was the fucking worm. He dated Madonna and then he, NWO for life. Yeah, you know, like, and then he was Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong Un's friend for like a week. Yeah. Um, but he thought he was going to solve the North and South Korea issue. But he was, he was a pretty straight and narrow guy until he got to Detroit, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, even from the perspective of, dude, I listen. You again after Last Dance came out, I I knew. I was aware of how bitter and how odd some of the things Scottie Pippen said, but growing up, I, I, I had no idea how much of a, like, A, dum-dum he was taking, a sh- like, that shitty contract, and then, two, kind of being a bitch about it, like, and then, and then I heard, like, recently, I don't know if it was, I think he did it to promote his book, because his book had come out around the time of Last Dance, I think, but he started saying he was the best, like, he was better than Jordan and stuff, and I mean... Watching Last Dance, like you can see a little bit of the arrogance in Pippen when he talks. Um, that being said, he's the best. He is the best number two player of all time. Like, there's no, no comparison. If there's a, if there's the the two A, he he is it. Um, yeah. 
And it's just well, crazy, the crazy to thing see. is they did it on both. Both of them did it on both sides of the ball. Yeah, like it and it's crazy just. to see like how how Jerry Krause had wanted nothing to do with Rodman, and if mm-hmm. it wasn't for Rodman when Pippen sat, like maybe the Bulls wouldn't have gone as because Rodman really had Jordan's back during that window, right? Like it was Rod the Rodman yeah. and Jordan show at the time. So I'm on episode four. I like it. Um, well, I mean, I have to. We're gonna have it. to watch the captain next. Which that's the Jeter one, right? Yeah, I, I'm recording it. Like, I don't want to watch it weekly because I know I'm going to watch an episode. And I'm going to be like, fuck, I want to watch the next episode. So I'm just going to record them all. And then I'm going to tell my wife to, like, go to her parents for a weekend. <laughs> and then I'm just going to watch them all. I've actually been really into a lot of sports documentaries recently. Disney Plus has a ton that yes, I want to check out um, because they're ESPN. Um, but obviously there's that Red Wings Avalanche uh Oh, I gotta watch that. So good. Did you watch the whole? Did it come out like all of it? Yeah. So I can it was like it. two. It was like two hours long. Um, and what it did was, and again, like I guess this is not necessarily nice to say, but it's kind of I guess like fitting that it's you and me being able to talk about this one, and maybe next time Dustin's gone, we can kind of delve deeper into it because he's self admittedly not a massive hockey guy like we are. But we've talked about the era of hockey we grew up in and how dad taught us to play. And it's been so long since seeing that that I sometimes wonder if I'm misremembering mm. or if I'm glorifying yeah, yeah, yeah. old school hockey. And then you watch that and I'm like, if anything, I was underplaying it. It was ruthless. <laughs> Dude, We I had this conversation with him about you know, the best era of hockey. And I think that 1997 to 2010 was probably... Or just before the lockout? Probably the most dangerous. Yeah. You know, they, they say the guys were tough in the 60s, 70s, like, and they were. They were, they beat the shit yeah. out of each other. But the, the, the period of 97 to 2010, guys were highly skilled and the the delta between the 80s and 90s of skill like you look at a guy like like a pavel bure or a mcgillney or even a, look at lindros like a physical specimen right or a guy like scott stevens like these guys were moving at speeds and and strength and stuff that hadn't been seen before in the game had, people were getting demo- there was no crackdown on headshots fighting was still a major encouraged de- yeah, it was a deterrent for bad shit on either side, and fighters had roles. Like think about like guys like Peter Worrell and uh, was it Marty Paul McSorley Paul Laws and, and Don Mc- Brashear. Brashear, yeah, right. Like these guys were there just to beat the shit out of somebody if they if they went the wrong way. So I say it was the the best era because it had so much of everything that people attributed hockey for. There was skill. There was toughness, uh, you know. It was the goaltending. I think was probably the crop of goaltenders in that era were some of the oh. the iconic. Broder, Hasek, and Wa alone, right? You know. So when people talk about eras, I think out of all of them, I mean, and that's where they kind of ran with the coolest game on earth moniker too, right? I just. You know, like you said, glorifying it. Sometimes I think I'm the same way. I think, wow, you know, Bray being my favorite player and kind of 
growing up and and modeling my like Wendell Clark, my other like these were like that was my time. But like you said, I'm probably gonna go back and watch this and be like, nah. It wasn't like I remember those. I remember staying up to watch the Avalanche beat the Panthers. I remember watching the highlights of Detroit and and Colorado. I remember Scott Stevens absolutely obliterating Paul Korea. You know, arguably ended his career. Yeah, well, that then, was and then, the start of. And then Gary Suter cross checked him in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Right. These are things I I, well, I viv- or remember. Like who was it? Was it uh, Tony Twist or that stepped on someone's foot? Like, well, there's a myriad of guys who did. Tony Twist, Chris Simon did it. Chris Simon, that's in it. Ottawa. That's what I was thinking. It was, it was Chris Simon did it, and Chris Pronger did it behind the net. Dude, that's we didn't even dude. mention. Chris Could you Pronger. imagine having to play against Chris Pronger? I was just gonna say we haven't even mentioned Chris Pronger. That guy was a huge prick. Yeah, like, and that's the thing—not prick in like an asshole way. Just you never wanted to see the ice against him like you would be going out for a shift and if you see him step over the boards you knew you were in it yeah and you weren't really getting out but i think what you said is very true i think in a nutshell what it was was it was the pinnacle or peak of the toughness of what preceded it of like the like the late 80s early 90s when the skill was finally being highlighted and at that point, it was just, it all came together. So you had the guys that could play the game, but then you also had the guys that could hit. So the game was moving faster while guys were getting bigger and stronger and more conditioned. Therefore, they could go harder for longer. And so it just, it was the perfect storm of a moment of everything coming together at once. And then now we're on the down curve of the toughness part where obviously the game's still ruthless as shit to play, but not in the same way. And, I, and I'm convinced Burry would probably be winning the Art Ross every year if he played now at his prime. Oh, yeah. The guy was skating circles around people then. I, you know, with his speed and skill, I, I couldn't imagine. Or even a guy like Paul Career would have, would have thrived yeah. in today's game probably way more than he did then. But... Yeah, man, I think you're right. Like in the words of George Costanza, worlds were colliding, and and you had these two eras. That was kind of the apex or the 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 cross section, if you will, of, of really two eras. Um, and we we got the best of it. And we're, you know, I'm gonna have to go back. Sometimes I watch those classic like Leaf games on Leafs TV. Yeah. Um, and I just. When I watch the early 90s stuff, like the playoffs, I'm like, fuck, man. It was it's slow. <laughs> oh. it was, dude, like the hooks? The, oh, guys so like bad. Yeah, it's like like dog sledding, like some guys pulling a guy up the ice. But, yeah, I mean, they they did succeed in speeding up the game and like with cracking down on the obstruction-type penalties. But, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I don't think we're glorifying... I don't think we ended up glorifying it at all. I think it's exactly what we thought it was. That being said, I guess we should get into the things we are going to talk about today. That's what Dustin usually does. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to yeah, talk we a should try bit. and stay on track with our, our, uh, uh, our guide. We're winging it a little bit today. So if it does go off the rails, we're fucking sorry. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Hockey Canada. I'm going to educate you a little bit, I think, on, on what went down today, and, and we'll, we'll discuss that um, as they were in day two of hearings in front of the government of Canada. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Matt Kachuk trade and what that kind of means for both teams. Uh, we'll touch on the Jays absolutely obliterating the Boston Red Sox. Embarrassment, if you will. Uh, and get into a little bit of the baseball trade deadline, which is coming up actually next Tuesday. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. <laughs> Be, be, uh, okay, baseball draft and trade deadline always throw me off because like they're quasi meaningless. As they're playing, and yeah. it's like they're just like fuck it. Where the NHL, no games are played on deadline day. Yeah, except till like seven p.m. at night. Baseball game, they're cracking bats at twelve in the afternoon, and guys are getting dealt and pulled off the field. It's dumb. <laughs> uh, we we might get into some NFL camps because we are uh, NFL fans, and guys are starting to report to camp and some. Guys are showing up in uh, interesting fashion, if you will. And then uh, we'll do shout out to the end. But first, uh, I guess we can go into Hockey Canada because it is, and we'll go through it off the top because we don't always want to leave the bad shit to the end. Um, but Hockey Canada has been in two days of hearings in front of the Canadian government, and I think it's the Heritage Committee. I think it's called uh, in regards to the sexual assault allegations that have been levied against members of looks like at least for now isolated to iterations of team canada's junior teams um you know again i wouldn't i don't know i don't want to think the worst but i gotta think we're only at the tip of the iceberg on some of this shit but the recent developments i think have been that hockey canada had a fund admittedly used for liabilities um, and included in the scope of liabilities was sexual assault allegations. Um, so payments to people who accuse members of Hockey Canada for uh, those types of things. Um, you know, which in and of itself, I think, is, is kind of grimy. I mean, I imagine most places have liability funds. You know, yeah, it's called insurance. <laughs> but like <laughs> it's not well this is an insurance this is things that insurance won't cover and that's what it is it's a fund for things they could be liable for that won't yeah. get covered elsewhere and i imagine most corporations have this well yeah it's a legal contingency fund right yeah so essentially the fact that it exists is probably not as surprising as the realization that it does exist do you know what i mean yeah and the acknowledgement yeah, the that the fact that's... that you think it's yeah the fact that something at some point happened somewhere and they're like we should really have a fund to take care of this shit <laughs> right like i think that's, that's kind of the grimy part it's just us coming to grips with the fact that wait why why do we have this or why does this exist and that's kind of problematic in and of itself so i think that's that's starting to become more like we're we're more self-aware of this but today a couple of the things from the hearings really kind of irked me uh one was they asked the dude who's the head of and like i'm gonna butcher this because i saw it fleeting so apologies if i don't i'm not 100 accurate but the gist of it was one of the problematic things was they were getting funding and there there was a guy who said that they were risk assessing how to use the funds and what to bring forth about those funds. And because there was an ongoing investigation, they didn't deem it a high enough risk at the time to disclose this. 
So the guy questioning who is, I think, a, like a representative from Perth, Ontario, was like, you didn't think sexual assault allegations were a high enough risk to disclose? And the guy was like, well, the investigation was still ongoing. I mean, okay. But, like, that was 2018. We're in 2022. So, um, and then the second piece was the lawyer who was in the original investigation who have since reopened the investigation has said she has received compliance from all but nine Hockey Canada players in questioning. And these nine, (laughs) right? Ironic that it's nine. Coincidence? I think not. Now, these nine players say they are not willing to cooperate yet until they are aware of the messaging surrounding... They're concerned with the messaging surrounding what the questioning and, like, and the presentation is. Hockey Canada, and I don't know if they actually mean this considering the situation we're in, has said those who do not comply will be banned for life and have their names published. Good. I mean, like, here's here's the thing. It's, and I equate this in kind of this way, specifically to these players or individuals who aren't complying. You know how when people say, oh, I don't want them tracking all my shit. That's why I don't have this or that's why I don't have that. I'm like, fuck, they're going to worry about how many shits I take in a day. The government, like, I have nothing to hide. I don't fucking care if the government is monitoring my shit or Facebook has access to my shit. Ironically enough, the people that complain about this shit are writing it on Facebook, which is the most tracked (laughs) platform on the planet. But that's neither here nor there. Um, So... Clearly, they're looking for, one, their escape plan, and they're looking for their argument of deniability, right? So they want to hear what this message is so they can say, well, no, it wasn't that. So therefore, I'm not guilty or I'm not accountable for this. Which in of itself just says, one, you were aware, you were there, you were part of it, you are guilty, you're just looking for your way out, or to minimize the damage to yourself. You don't give a shit about the victim at this point, or victims, because, again, apparently there's been a laundry list of issues with this, that they have to have a fund for it. So, that in of itself is bad, that that's their worry. Um, that screams to me that you already know you're in the shit. You're just looking about how to come out of this as unscathed as possible. And I think just being banned from all Hockey Canada um, endeavors, whether it's World Championships, which if you look at that team that is currently being accused, all of these guys would be in line for potential Olympics, World Cups, World Championships whatever um so that in of itself is big but that's very minor compared to what they should be facing like if if the worst is that you're going to be banned from hockey canada involvement and your name's going to be published fuck i'd be i'd be like really that's what you're telling me is going to happen the 
these motherfuckers should be on trial. Yeah. I mean, again, we don't know 100% the nature of, of what or did or did not happen. But, I mean, it's, like you said, it's pretty, it's almost self-implication through non-cooperation, right? Like, it's, and, and you're right, I think it's buying them time to to sort, either sort stories or shit out. Which is just not a good look. It's not a good look, you know? So that's that's that part and then the other part so i mean through process of elimination they know who is involved the non-compliant ones are the ones who who are involved that's i mean it's you don't have to be batman and the world's greatest detective to figure that out you just need to uh, need to be able to perform simple addition and subtraction the other piece was um the minister of sport uh miss Saint-Ange, also uh we gave a scathing review of Hockey Canada not being uh, having the proper leadership in place. She questioned their leadership in saying they don't have the right people in place, nor do they have enough representation from women specifically to ensure that the proper education exists on how this affects victims uh, and, and things like that. So. Uh, I didn't want to gloss over that either because I think it's important that, you know, there is a multitude of perspective in organizations like this. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, we've had one mentality create this culture and it's going to take a lot to to modify it and, you know, and focus on not just creating the best hockey players, but, but some model people too. Uh, and I think in order to do that, you have to have the ability to be educated and understand all perspectives so hopefully you know they hear her out and I, I mean i don't i don't think this is you know some people will probably say oh they're just they're, they're woking hockey canada i don't think that's it Mm-mm. it's just sad that like in everything we've already or always seen or understood or been told or kind of brought up in when it comes to hockey in canada and if you play any kind of hockey in this country for those in vietnam that we know that listen to us uh whether it's house league or like timbits everything top to bottom is organized by hockey canada or has a stake in it from hockey canada and everything you're always told is that it's a you know uh uh well <laughs> that's my uh sub falling down on the ground um that it's a place for you know kids to go and get away from that shit to get them you know in in the proper path it teaches them values it teaches them you know about character and shit like that and the veil is being ripped off of that real quick did you feel right? do you feel let down like as, as someone you know sometimes when i look at it i feel I feel almost, honestly, I feel kind of embarrassed to be, to have been touting the culture of what it meant to me and what it did for me growing up. And now I look at this and I'm like, you know, you watch like the, like the high school movies and shit from the States and you have all these, like the football players are all these jock assholes. And there's always that. And I was like, hockey never felt that way. Yeah. And now it's just like, it is, if not worse in a way i mean there's always been there's always been shitty stuff in hockey yeah sheldon kennedy 
what happened to him shitty uh the the gardens Mike uh Mike Dan the garden sexual assault scandal with the ushers shitty like that's fucking atrocious but I think you know players young in, players too like these are guys that are like 17 18 19 like yeah. these aren't adult like okay they're adults in the legal sense but in the cultural sense they're kids and it show, i think it shows a lack of guidance i think it shows a lack of awareness i think it shows a lack of i mean it's either a lack of or complete ignorance and that's the problem right yeah. and it's really unfortunate and now it's come to light that the 2003 or 4 team i can't yeah, remember i think it was the 03 team that they said is there's also some shit there yeah um apparently a video exists um oh, with the players in question so um yeah that's not looking too hot for for some of those guys and the some well-known guys on that team um who probably have a lot of jer- people with their jerseys and names on their backs that man that's the thing too like people look up to these guys as role models you think about how long ago 2003 was you know 19 years so for i don't know like i'm looking at the names of some of these players on that 2003 team yeah it's not good you know like these so, are no like there's i will say a lot of these guys are retired um only one or two are still playing that I you look on this list, but a lot of these are household names. Yeah, a lot of jerseys sold, a lot of you know posters in the rooms, and that's the thing. We idolize these guys without necessarily yeah. knowing what's gone on. And I mean, you know, it's listen, we idolize them without knowing, and I think that's the the part. But I think. Th- at the end of the day, we should also feel comfortable in not knowing. We should feel comfortable not knowing that, you know, these guys are in a good spot and they've they've had a system that has cultivated a better culture. And I think that's that's what we all kind of hope and and kind of look forward to Hockey Canada implementing going forward. Because as of right now. I mean, they're in a lot of shit. <laughs> well, the, I guess like the last piece about this uh, that I kind of want to say is like, I don't want to wash accountability from the players because obviously you can't, you know, you're 17, 18 years old. You're not an idiot. Like anybody who says, well, they're kids. Yes, they're kids, but you're very aware of what's right. If you can drive a fucking car, dude, if you can yeah. drive a fucking car, that's the worst excuse I hear for any of the shit. I'm 17 yeah. years old. They're a kid. Fucking don't let them drive a car then. Then no license till they're 18, 19, if that's your argument. Yeah. Right. But like I said, I don't want to wash accountability from them. But at the same time, now top to bottom and holistically there has to be some massive accountability on who's in place to teach these kids yeah because and i think that's what people are like, well, that's their parents job and i'm like these kids leave home at 15 they're, they're either traveling. billets they're traveling so it's on their coaches it's on their instructors it's on the people around them 
all the time to mold them into proper citizens as well. And so I wouldn't just look at, you know, the Hockey Canada organization as in, you know, the heads and the CEO and the president and whatever, because, you know, that's obvious that, you know, you lead the ship. GTHL. Exactly. Who are the coaches in place? You know, now, if I was running this or if I had a hand in this, I would say there'd be mandatory education or I guess mandatory, I guess, awareness. And again, maybe this is just blame it on the day job because we do fucking quarterly training all the goddamn time for this shit. But just like simple things of like, you don't do this, you don't do this and have them understand the position they're in being like, you guys are 1%. You're going to be presented with a lot because of the skill and the positions you're in. You're the best of your age group in the country. You're some of the best players in the world. You're going to go on to make millions of dollars, but that doesn't, that doesn't remove you from the responsibility of good being a good citizen. If anything, it puts more accountability on you to be an example of what it is to be a proper citizen. Similar to what you and me were talking about earlier this week with, you know, some of the NFL guys like Terry Bridgewater, you know, where he's like, I'm sick of this stupid hood gang culture for some of these players, like these guys wanting to be tough. He's like, no, he's like these kids that come from that need to see what hard work and dedication and being a good person can get you. He's like, I have to be a role model. Why don't these fucking guys see that? And I know why they don't see that because they're rich white kids who grew up with everything handed to them and think that the now world just, owes them everything. They just have richer. to give them nothing. They're just richer what? white kids. They're just richer white kids. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I, you, you know, know what I mean, though? Yeah, it, well, it comes, it, you know, I, I say all things can be tied back to comic books at some point. And, you know, with. Uh, Spider-Man, right? With great power comes yeah. great responsibility. And I think that rings true no matter what walk of life you come from. Uh, that being said, with great power, uh, it seems like uh, I tried to do a Dustin transfer. I don't know if I'm going to do it here. Uh, Let me try the next one after this. It seems like <laughs> a lot of players in the NHL are waking up to the power that they have which is not as traditional in the sport of hockey as it is in other sports. You see, you know, we've talked a lot uh, ad nauseum about Kevin Durant and, you know, we see LeBron James with, with the power he has in his sport. And, you know, even in the NFL, a guy like Tom Brady, where he wants to go and who he surrounds himself with. But Matthew Kachuk, well, Johnny Grudrow, first of all, left to Columbus of his own accord. Good on him. He's, sorry? Good on him. Like, yeah. Dude wanted to be closer to his family and given the past two years where, you know, being a professional athlete's hard enough traveling and not seeing your family as much, everything that's gone on the past couple of years where, especially if you're in Canada and your family's in the U S that's almost a non-starter. So like you can't fault the guy for wanting to leave and be somewhere that's closer to his family. So good on good Joe for that. And listen, free agency is exactly what that is. Free agency. You're allowed to choose your own destiny by that point. The collective bargaining agreement has deemed that you are entitled and you have earned the right to do so. So can't fault Johnny Goudreau for choosing his own destiny, choosing his own destination. Um, But in the world of hockey, you know, I hear radio shows, they talk about loyalty and they talk about doing something for the organization. And I think we can all look at Matt Kachuk and say, you know, 
credit to him for being upfront a year removed from where he's going to be a UFA and giving the Calgary Flames an opportunity to get something in return for him. And the trade that went down just a few days ago, and people are still discussing and all over, is Makachuk was traded to the Florida Panthers for... Well, actually, first of all, it was a sign-in trade, I believe, because the Flames are the only ones who can give him eight years. So the Flames actually signed him. So it was the first sign-in trade, I believe, in NHL history where the Flames signed him for eight years, $9.5 million, I believe, and then dealt him to the Florida Panthers for Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, a top prospect, and a first-round draft pick. Both Huberdeau and Weger are UFAs at the end of the year, but both said in their press conferences that they are open to signing long-term in Calgary, which could be lip service because you don't want to walk into a place and be like i don't plan on staying (laughs) Uh, yeah i'll do this for a year and then i will see what's out there after what they've been through yeah i don't think you you would endear yourself to any fans having lost their two best players um then come in and be like yeah we'll see how it goes um what are your thoughts um you know i think brad tree living was under the hot seat i think for you know, maybe undeservedly for the Goudreau situation. Um, but, I mean, looking at what he got for Kachuk, you, he's got to be like zero to hero real quick, right? Yeah. I mean, he's going in a real good situation in Florida. Well, that remains to be seen. They did get swept by Tampa in the second round when they had high aspirations. But, I mean, I don't know. Huberto played at a heart pace all year, start to finish. And I think for, like, I've been back and forth with this, being like, Florida really did well, and then I'm like, Calgary did well. And then I'm sitting here thinking, both teams can win the trade, no? Yeah, but I think from the perspective of, think about, Vegas giving up Pacioretty for literally nothing. And think well, about that's because they had Vegas to. has, yeah, they, they but, fucked around on their caps so much. Right. But Calgary had to get rid of Kachuk because he openly said he wasn't returning. So they didn't have to give, and we don't know the entire situation, they didn't have to give as much as they did for Kachuk. But so I think you have to applaud what Trey Living got because, A, he's either going to re-sign Huberdeau long-term and trade stay competitive <laughs> or, tra- right, or trade him at the deadline. Both those guys for assets. I got a question for you, and this is com- kind of off topic. Could you imagine Calgary is not really – or maybe in a playoff position, but probably like a wild-card spot – and the vibe is Huberto's not going to resign. He's only a $5.9 million cap hit for the remainder of the year. And for the back half of that year, Calgary's like, hey, you give us something good, we'll eat half of that contract. Could you imagine Huberto in blue and white? Playing <laughs> with Austin how does this? How does this guy who was just <laughs> traded end up on Toronto? How does this guy not connected to Toronto whatsoever end up on this team? Um, no, I just I, ha- I had to do that just yeah. because like I know you know how people are like you always bring it back to the Leafs, so I just had to do that. But no, 
I think what Tree Living did was pretty clean work for a sticky situation. Um, now, I I applaud Kachuk for everything that's been said on both sides, both from Tree Living and Kachuk, saying he came right to us and said, "Here's the plan. Here's my mindset," and not catching them off guard. He kind of owned up to it and said, "Guys, you know, this is where I'm at. I don't want to shaft you." I don't want to completely, but this is my plan. So I want to do what I can to help you guys get the best return. And so I, I got to applaud Kachuk for that one. And you got to applaud Tre Living for, like I said, for the clean work he did. Um, well, dude, listen, because- listen, you say clean work. Listen to the circumstances. Kachuk said he wanted out. So everyone knew that either he was going to sign for one year and then walk as UFA or they were going to have to trade for him now, which means it's a buyer's market. Second piece, there were a limited number of teams Kachuk said he was willing to go to or that he wanted to go to. It wasn't like Vegas, St. Louis, and the Panthers, and that was and it. And Dallas. All right, Dallas. Yo, I'd and go to Dallas fucking. I'd get so fat, Texas barbecue <sighs> all the time. But so in all of that, he still got a over 100-point Hart Trophy candidate back yes ufa but still could be flipped for assets so it could be huberto or more depending on what happens Uyghur, who i mean people say he's a top pairing defenseman he looked like shit a couple times playing against the leafs but mm. you know it is well, didn't he score that own goal or didn't he <laughs> didn't like matthews like two games dummy him back to back playing florida just absolutely and like let's be honest it's austin matthews like he does that to 95 percent of the league but it was he dummied him pretty good yeah um but you know did did florida really get better like they're the president's trophy winners that gave up a heart trophy candidate and one of their one of their top defensemen and if you look at their defense core now it's actually kind of fucking embarrassing I think they have Ron yeah. Hainsey penciled in. Um, and Kachuk had a career year. Do we know that he can repeat that under different circumstances? I mean, I playing with Alexander Barkov is, is a good start, but, you know, and, and, look at, and look at what Florida has done. They don't have a first-round pick till 2026. Like years. Like, yeah, or like four years. Mm-hmm. And all they have to show for it, literally, because they traded one for Sherratt, who's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Or they traded a couple for, I can't remember what it was for, or they traded a bunch for Giroux. Giroux. Gone. And Matt Kachuk. Chuck. So they have, so they, so think about it. Think about the net in and out. Huberto, Uyghur, and like eight first round picks for Kachuk. For well, but, for six for two months of Giroux, two months of Sherratt and Kachuk. But you also have to look at it as if this is a team which they look like they'll be in a position to compete for the next three, four years. That first round pick is realistically a second round pick. So, like I get, you know, first round picks are first round picks. They're arguably the best commodity you as a team has as a trade chip because you throw a first round pick in anything it'll get most deals done regardless um in any kind of package but yeah i outside of aaron ekblad and 
who else on D? Like Radko Gudis is there? Radko Gudis, the dude who's got feet of stone, and like it, his stick is where plays go to die. Yeah, it's it's you know like there is pretty bleak, man. Well, Ekblad is he's young, he's great, but he's got so many injuries that you start to wonder: can he hold up for a full season? Um, because he was hanging on with strings in the playoffs for sure. And then you have Gudis, who the way the league is now, unless you can skate the way Kale McCarr does, you can't play the way Gudis does because you can't keep up. Like, mm-hmm. unless, unless you're playing a cycle heavy team down low, you're not, you're going to get absolutely gullied beyond those two guys. I don't know who else they have. Like, let's see, Florida Panthers <laughs> roster. Damn. Now, like Bobrovsky, he's a shade of his former self. Well, it's he's it's 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 a crapshoot as to which Bobrovsky you're going to get on any given night. So, okay, Lucas Carlson, who? Yawn. Yeah, Gustav Forsling. Young. Well, they have Brandon Montour. That's not bad. But, and oh, let's not forget Mark Stahl. But he's no longer there either. No, Mark Stahl just right? went there. Mark Stahl just signed somewhere else with Jordan, I think. No, no he just signed there. Did he? Yeah. Because there was a whole thing about Eric Stahl and possibly Eric, Jared Stahl being in the yeah. same organization. Yeah, sorry. Mark, um, he played for Detroit last year and yeah. he just signed in Florida. That Florida D looks like it is going to be exposed. Listen, I'm not complaining about Toronto's D at the moment. Looking yeah, at when you look at Florida's. Which, and you know. I mean, you know in a year or two, Florida is going to be in some serious, serious cap trouble. Yes. Because you have um, Kachuk, Barkov, Ekblad. Um, yeah, and you, Bennett, he's going to want money. Ma is, uh, who is uh, Reinhardt. Yeah, and yeah, you also have Sam Reinhardt. Like, uh, yeah, they're going to, they're going to be good for two years and then they're going to be, they're going to be in the Vegas of the East where they're going to cap themselves out of competitiveness. Yeah, but Bobrovsky contracts no bueno either. Um, but you did say something that was interesting, and that was first-round picks are just that. They're first-round picks, not guaranteed, which is going to lead us into a little bit of our next topic, um, the Blue Jays. And trade deadline's coming up, and we'll get into that and what you know first-round picks and prospects mean. But the Jays did sweep the Boston Red Sox, who, for all intents and purposes, if they weren't the Boston Red Sox, would probably blow this shit to hell because they have not been playing good baseball i think their record is very flattering to 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 the type of baseball they've been playing um the jays made them look like the bad news bears like it was it was embarrassing at times the ineptitude of basic fucking fielding for the boston red sox they just just stupid shit like blue like it looked like every other play was just 
a blooper shot that a guy should have been there to get and two guys just watching a ball drop being like well you're supposed to get it you're supposed to get it. that inside the park grand fucking slam like inside the park home runs shouldn't happen but you in inside the park grand slam and I get there's like weird stadiums that like the ball can bounce and carom oddly and then the guy hoofs it and like whatever. This was just the center fielder, Duran, Duran Duran, <laughs> fucking Robbie Duran out in center. It was Jared and Duran. The only, <laughs> what? Jared Duran, but that's okay. No, I'm calling him Robbie Duran. He doesn't <laughs> deserve his actual first name. So the only explanation I have, motherfucker thought the ball hit and bounced back in, and it was a grand slam, because he just threw up his arms and starts walking to the ball, while the left fielder is, is booking it. But like, <laughs> even if even if you were just like watching, like I, like why would you be like, dude, <laughs> why are you running so fast? Right? The fucking highlight was the best. Did you see this fucking guy just like so upset? He's just like. You know the kid where it's he's like, fine, Dad, I'll go get the ball. And he's just lying to the ball in the left fielder, taking off like Forrest Gump to that ball, and Tapia just gunning it home. It was, it and was hilarious. Facing, and he's facing the play. Yeah. And like, the, there's two things that would click. Number one, my teammates are yelling at me, and I turn around to look behind me, and your left, like you said, the left fielder is booking it to this ball. Like, it was, if it was out, like, he could walk to the ball. Like, why is he running so fucking fast, right? Number yeah. two, why is Tapia running so fucking fast? Like, if everybody yeah. else is in a panic but me, like, something's going on, right? You know? Yeah. And it just didn't click. It was... And then it was just a, a comedy of not they, even errors. Well, it's, it's so many plays they just kind of gave up on. They just stopped playing baseball. They, like, I, I remember I, I saw the score briefly and then I turned on the game and I was like, wait, it's like 13 nothing, and it's only the fourth. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm like, OK, so we're going to see some position guys come in and pitch. No, they <laughs> gassed their bullpen in game one on a 25 or 28 to five game and Boston's still throwing out. I was like, give me the lefty like that's going to make a difference. <laughs> The, you know the what I mean? differential the four games it was 40 to 10 that's so bad that's not even that's so a football bad. game it is dude no like the one game the 20 <laughs> to 5 <laughs> that's a football score and the jays bats have just stayed hot since they sweep the socks their springer just hit a dinger now they're up 8-3 on the cards they woke it up and i mean you hope so I think now you just hope that the pitching can stay in average. That's the thing. Similar to what the Leafs problem was, where when we talked about goaltending, all the Leafs need is average goaltending. All the Jays need is average pitching. And that's it. Yeah, I mean, in aggregate, yes. I think, though, you know, a lot of the commentary surrounding the Jays, again, on a lot of radio programs, because I drive a lot, you know, back and forth to work, so I got to listen to these douchebags every day. Um, but is, you know, when you get to the playoffs, you need three guys, right? And the Jays right now have one and a half of those guys clicking Manoa and Gossman to a degree. If Barrios can turn it around and at least some form of the Jose Barrios 
we are accustomed to and not the first half Barrios this year, they'll be fine. Um, Which leads me to the next point. Trade deadline's coming up. And the Jays are in a unique position where they are now back in the first wild card. Last seven, eight games, eight games if we include tonight, and they, they win in the fashion that it looks like they're going to win in, look like world beaters. I mean, full disclosure, Goldschmidt and Arenado couldn't make it for the cards because of their vaccination status. So they are a little bit shorthanded, but they are looking like destroyers of worlds once again. What what do the Jays need going into the trade deadline? And with all the talk surrounding Juan Soto, and I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but as it's heating up, I want to revisit this. What do you think Juan Soto is the play? And I and I have my own thoughts on this, but obviously I throw to you. What do the Jays need and, and is Juan Soto part of that need? I think strictly if you look at this as what's in need of the Jays, a left-handed bat, Juan Soto is your answer. Like, hard stop. If you can do it, you do it. If you don't have to take away from this roster or too deep into your prospect pool, you, you do it. Now, unlike Kachuk, Soto did the Nationals no favors by saying, I'm not signing for $440 million. Pretty much saying they have to trade them. So it's either A, the Nats get what they can for them and they're going to be pennies on the dollar or they hold on to them. I don't like what. So that they do. Fine. So I think <laughs> the, there's three teams out there that people have kind of commonly tossed around. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. Dodgers and Yankees and Padres. No, Dodgers. Sorry, Jays. Yankees and Cardinals are the ones that I've heard the most of. Um, but, I mean, I would never count out the Dodgers as well. No. Um, but I want to run something by you that they talked, I heard on, I think it was Overdrive today. You talked about first-round picks or first-round picks, whatever, right? I think that that theory and that concept is more prevalent, actually, in baseball. Think about when the Jays traded for R.A. Dickey. Right? We talk about giving up Darno and we talk about giving up Syndergaard. Yeah. Th- those guys at this point to where the Jays are irrelevant. Yeah. Like at- well, Darno never panned out to what everyone thought he He's was a solid be. MLB catcher. Yeah. You know, um, he's a great like 100 game guy. Yeah. You know, top, he'll, top, he'll bat like a 225. Top 20. Top 20 catcher in the league. Yeah. You know, um, Syndergaard hurt, had a great couple years, kind of fell off. Injuries didn't exactly, again, pan out. In baseball, if anything, I think prospects, you know, now the more I think about it, are crapshoots at best. I mean, baseball, I think, out of every sport is the hardest to project what someone's going to be. So if one out of four Jays prospects pans out, do you think any one of those guys are going to be as good as Juan Soto? But it's not whether they're going to be as good as Juan Soto. They're like, it. the issue is, is it worth two and a half, three months of Juan Soto? Well, let's say, let's say it comes with the acknowledgement that he'll sign with you. 
for the 500 million he's going to want. I mean, his jersey sales alone will probably pay for that. So It's not so much the money you're paying. We know who run, who owns this team. Money's not an issue. Clearly, they don't give a shit because they know with everything that happened 2 weeks ago with their internet cutting out. They go, like, oh, yeah, it happened. <laughs> but it's not so much what you're paying, it's the repercussions on the cap knowing that you have to sign Bo and Vladdy. And you're pretty much saying one of them's gone. Well, I mean, they could pay into the luxury tax, but... Which they could afford. Yeah. They, Rogers I mean. is the arguably the most liquid company on the, in if the country. You think you, if you think you have a dynasty, I mean, if I were them, I would pay up. If you could have... If you could be Dodgers... This is Dodgers-level, Yankees-level baseball that they could propel themselves into. And I mean, I know it's... I mean, it's tough being the only gig in town and you kind of get away with some stuff, you know, maybe not necessarily investing to that level because you are the only gig in town. But mm-hmm. I think I think Juan Soto is a known commodity. And now I've kind of warmed up to the fact that if they were like, we want Moreno, Martinez, Groshans, and I'd be like, okay. No, not all three. Again, the the odds of all three panning out it's but you also have to look at it from the perspective of who's running this team they're not going to bankrupt the prospect capital the way anthopolis did they i think if you do this it's probably i it's one of teoscar or guriel it's one if not two of moreno groshans or martinez and then based off that, you're looking, honestly, the way Kirk's playing and having Danny Jansen here, you're probably giving up Mourinho at that point. Unless you're willing to throw in, say, one of the fielders plus Danny Jansen plus either... I mean, if you're getting Soto, Martinez, is a, he's a deep fielder, no? No, he's a middle infielder. Okay, so your second baseman, Espinal's probably been way more than you expected. So you're okay at second. Bo is going to be your everyday shortstop. So you, at that point, yeah. I mean, I'd be okay giving up one of those, a fielder, and... That's what I mean. You're probably probably going to have to give up a pitching prospect, too. That's what I mean. You probably give up all three. Like, looking at how deep they are at each position... They're not really deep at fielder, though. Like, your bench guys are Zimmer and Tapia. Right, but you w- that's what I'm saying. If you found a way to do all four... If you, found, if you found a way to do four prospects and one other piece, you... you what? <laughs> your face just... Kirk, Kirk, no, Kirk just smacked another dinger. Um, you, you could probably... Like, your fielding stays deep. Uh, but again, I don't know... It, again, it doesn't make sense to me that they would do the trade and keep four fielders, including Tapia. So, like, Teo, Springer, Guriel, Soto, and Tapia makes no sense to me. So I, I agree with you. I think one of those corner fielders goes. I'm more inclined to move, personally, Guriel because I think yeah. the flexibility of having Teo and right and DH is better. I don't think Guriel works as good as a DH. So, you know, I would I would do something that looks like Guriel, 
Martinez, Groshans, and a pitching prospect. I'm so or Jansen, and I'm just so hesitant to give up on Moreno. That's the only one that that holds me. Um, well, here, Groshans is a shortstop third base. Martinez is a shortstop third base. Martinez is rated higher on Jay's prospect rankings than Groshans. Groshans in AAA. Martinez is in Double A. I'd be worried about them Groshans. asking for Tideman. I mean, they did just take Berea. Yeah, Brandon Berea. I mean, but that's. I'm just. I'm trying to think of this beyond just two years from now and where this team will be. Do we see Springer being who he is two years from now? Probably not. Um, so you're going to need that fielder. So that's probably going to be Otto Lopez, who's probably going to be your prospect that's going to come up and play in your field. I mean, you'll probably see him this year. I'm not going to lie. you probably see Otto Lopez at some point this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Groshans at some point this year, strictly at short, as your backup to Bichette to see a couple games to give Bichette down the stretch some rest if they're kind of comfortably in a position. Um, for me, it's either Groshans or Martinez that you're giving up as a start. Yeah. Now, the other issue is is with Otto Lopez. He plays second base. He can play all three outfield positions, and he plays shortstop. That kind of utility you don't want to give up. He may not be as good as the other guys at their position, but the fact that he can play all of them. Now, here's, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. And like this is, you know, forced trade, MLB the show, just auto accept trade. It would be Biggio, probably Guriel, Martinez, and a mid-level pitching prospect. And if they would do that, I'd be do okay doing that, even if Soto doesn't resign. Even if it's just a down the stretch thing. Yeah. I mean now if 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 it's a sign and trade and Soto's like, yeah, I'll sign it. And Washington's like, we'll do it, but you gotta give us more. Okay, I'll throw in a bit more. But I yeah. don't know. That's tough. I mean, they can pick again. There there's they don't it's not like you can't trade picks in baseball, like you said, so they got uh they'll they'll have another pick next year and they'll have opportunities to to grab the and the Jays are kings of the international signing, so you uh, yeah, especially from out there from well from the well we don't know they're fourteen. <laughs> they're no, 14 that, no, that's old. what I mean. It's like we yeah, don't know well, who else is out there that they're already targeting. Right. So, you know, um, and of course the Jays need a bullpen. Um, so yeah, they need to find a way to to bolster that bullpen. I think a late reliever, if Nate Pearson can come back, that's great. Um, and be that guy like he kind of was last year, but I think they could use uh, a late uh, reliever. Yeah, to go. I, I would agree. I would say like Soto is a nice to have, and if you get it, and if they're doing it, cool, great, do it. But I think that's not the primary need of this team. Yeah, it's bullpen. I I don't think start like if I had to rank the needs, it's bullpen, then a left bat. 
than starting pitching. But can you get something that's not necessarily as good as Soto, but slightly below or even maybe 25% less of what Soto is for a lot cheaper without well, there having were, to give up as much? The, the difficulty is these guys who are vaxxed or not. Like there's, there's always talk about Ben Attendee being the perfect guy, but he's not vaxxed. He's not vaxxed. So, I mean, that's, that's the stuff they have to tiptoe around, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm sure there's a... Who's the other guy I think they were looking at? He was a veteran. I don't remember. Because you also have to look at it from the perspective of this. If whoever they're bringing in is going to have a lot of bat protection, more so than they're going to have on any other team, outside of maybe the Yankees or the Dodgers. So you instantly have to think that whatever their numbers are, also playing in Skydome, and fuck, it's not Rogers Center, it's Skydome, that it's a hitter's park. So with that kind of protection and being in that hitter's park, you got to think their numbers are going to go up by at least 15, 20%, no? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're Soto... You're salivating. To crank balls to right field. The field... Playing, playing like on a lineup through guys like Vladdy, Bo, George, Teo, maybe great. Like depending on what you give up, like Kirk. Like think about that. Like you're at the all. Also, you're at the All Star game watching six Jays. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's intense, man. Like if you're looking at places to go, do you not want to go a bad there? Spot. Right. You know Canada. Yeah. You're, dude, if you're, if you're looking at, <laughs> this sounds terrible. If you look at easy wins, half the other teams can't make it. That's true. Like, you know? how many, how many, how many bench pitchers or how many like scrub pitchers are you going to see because some of these guys can't come here? Right. So, yeah. Anywho, no, uh, I trade, hear you. Trade deadlines in a week and we'll, we'll know then, but, and it's going to be exciting around the Jays because I think the Jays, you know, while they went through that little bit of a slump, I think hopefully this last seven games and the next couple, uh, they find their way. I hope uh, Barrios finds his way, and hopefully they are strong buyers towards a playoff push, you know, with them sitting right now in the first wild card spot. Uh, not a trade deadline anytime soon, but NFL camps are starting, and we can touch real quick on this. Um your boy, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers arriving to NFL camp in interesting fashion. Con air, con shit. <laughs> I saw that meme. Or did you send me the picture? I It, it wasn't me. I saw it on SportsCenter. Yeah, like before it, we jumped on to record, it was just like a SportsCenter highlight. I was walking by the TV. And I was like, why Why is Con air? I was like, wait, fucking Aaron Rodgers. The dude's full, full on like cops, like pizza stained wife beater shirt. Yeah, I feel bad saying that now. I don't think like I think we should find another term for it, but um, yeah, full on cops, the cops tuxedo. I'll call it the cops tuxedo. <laughs> the, the 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 off day police tuxedo. Yeah. Like the I, it's very true. That is the Carl outfit, from Aquatine Hunger Force. Uh, yes, the um, big yeah, the undershirt and the long hair and the the beard he looks he looks exactly like nick cage from con air i guess the meme i saw is like when you when you arrive uh 
an NFL camp attempting to escape Con Air, and it's just like him <laughs> full on, yeah, just loud and proud. Just looks like Nick. All Cage. I hear is put the boner back in the box. <laughs> but um, yeah, so NFL camps are open. Looks like Joe Burrow had his appendix taken out, which is a very convoluted way to get out of first workouts. I know it, it's he's probably just like guys. I'm your starting QB. I'm going to put up big numbers. You don't need me there. Yeah, I, ha- I have appendicitis. They're like, sir, your appendix. I have appendicitis. Um, so it looks like the Browns are still waiting on whether they can play Deshaun Watson. And they've traded Baker Mayfield to the Panthers. So they could be quarterbackless if Deshaun Watson is suspended by the league under their, uh, what do they call it? The basically behavior protocol. So Which... How has this not happened already? I know they got to wait for legal proceedings to kind of protect themselves. Well, the from Texans paid something like 30, 30 women. 30 women. It was today that they settled with 30 of the women um, of that had allegations against Deshaun Watson. And, and some people are wondering. The Texans. Yeah, some people are wondering why the Texans are paying. And it's because I think a lot of these. I'm. I'm a, Again, I don't know the full story, but I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of these women were massage therapists. Probably hired by, by the, team. the Texans. Therefore, they're the employer. They own the liability of it. Or a portion of, yes. Yeah. So um, to, to absolve themselves of any issues, they're trying to work at their own agreements. Um, but you and I, both New York Jets fans, and we'll probably yeah. do an NFL preview Incredible. soon. It's been tough being a Jets fan, but things are looking up. Yeah, we got the newly crowned nickname. <laughs> and he was my shout-out. He was my shout-out yeah. like two weeks ago. The first shout-out of the year or on the podcast was Zach Wilson, now dubbed by many of people the MILF Hunter. <laughs> I couldn't say it with a straight face. Dude, I, when I was in high school, I used to go to my buddy Dylan's place. Because he lived right by the school. And his brother would always show us the downloaded Mill Hunter videos. (laughs) And it was always like... Ryan. uh, Ryan. Uh, (laughs) And it was always like... It was always the fucking same. Like, guy pulls up to pump his gas at a gas station. (laughs) And the mom can't figure out how to fucking pump gas. Or she's short cash. Right? So, so when I hear about Zach Wilson being called milf hunter, I just picture Zach Wilson pulling up at a gas station, and this mom Range is Rover. just like, "I'm sure I help you." And this millionaire fucking is like, uh, "I know a way you could pay for it." He's just um, like, "I pump gas and pump milfs." That's what he's thinking right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, like NFL. Honestly, this time of the NFL calendar. It's always really fucked up because you get like guys weirdly coming, like retiring. Yeah. Um, Julio Jones I, just signed in Tampa. Well, yeah. Julio Jones, arguably top five receiver in the NFL still. Top yeah. 10 for sure. Going to play with Tom Brady, who like, again, I'm not like, I respect Brady. I respect what the dude does. I'm not like a Brady fanboy. I'm not a Tom Brady is God's Yo, gift but to you, this planet. Like, you can't count him out ever. No, 
Like, I've never seen somebody that can be so down and out and me still sit there and think they have a chance. Dude, if they win the like, Super Bowl, tw- if they won, I'd be like, makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's the expectation. When Brady goes into Super Bowl, the expectation is he's but probably going to win. When he won the one with the Bucks, I was surprised. I was like, holy shit. He left the Pats yes. and he fucking won. But if yeah. he wins again now, I'm like, cool. Like, yeah, it just, you're like, whatever. What would what really would have impressed me is if he did end up fact going to Miami and then winning in Miami. I would have been like, that dude is the greatest athlete in the world. Yeah. If he'd done that. But, but I mean, he, that dude swapped out Gronk and who else? Like, he's got Mike Evans and Julio Jones couple, on his left and right. A couple threats. That's... That's ruthless. For a guy who's still that good, I mean, and you know takes care of himself extremely well, better than any other athlete probably on the planet. Um, I mean, how do you not look at the Bucs as being a favorite? Yeah, I mean, this year in the NFL is going to be really interesting for a number of reasons. One... Last year's NFL draft class was filled with rookie quarterbacks. You had Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Um, am I missing one? Well, Lance is, they've pretty much said Lance is starting. And they're shopping Garoppolo, and I don't know where he's going to end up because everyone kind of musical chairs themselves onto a chair. I mean, the Panthers went out and got Baker. Uh, the Broncos took care of themselves, and they got Russell Wilson. Uh, the Browns might need Garoppolo, depending on what happens. Um, you know, who else is there? I mean, maybe the Seahawks. They got Drew Locke, but I don't know how confident you feel going into the season with Drew Locke. Would you take a flyer on, on Jimmy Gorgeous? I don't know. I mean, as a backup, yeah. Like, if you have like a, a veteran quarterback. Sorry? Like a veteran fill-in? Yeah, like, I don't know why he doesn't stay in San... Well, probably because he wants to start. But that's a perfect setup. If you have Lance starting in San Fran and you could always lean on Garoppolo when, if things get a little dicey or game here or there, even to kind of educate him a little bit. I mean, that screams to me that it's not the Niners saying, okay, we have to get rid of you. That's Garoppolo saying, I want an opportunity somewhere else. Um, yeah, and and so... But on that note, you have all these young quarterbacks, and you look at the league. The league's quarterback roster from top to bottom is probably the best it's ever been. Yes. In terms of top-end talent, it feels like every team has what should be a top-end quarterback. Like, you can go even the Raiders with Carr. You've got Kyler Murray out in Arizona, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow, uh you know, Tua can't throw the ball past 10 yards, but people still people still like to hype Tua. Um, Dustin's boy in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. Uh, yep. I mean, the Texans have, or the Titans have Tannehill. Like, everybody has what it feels like a capable quarterback. The point mm-hmm. I'm making is this year, except for the Steelers, maybe the Steelers get, they got, they're, I think they're hedging their bets on Trubisky. They might make a play for Garoppolo. Um, they better not hedge their bets on Trubisky. <laughs> <laughs> Trash. This year, though, 
what's exciting about the NFL is they drafted all the quarterbacks, and then this year, all the wide receiver weapons got drafted. And this game yeah. is going to get very fast very soon. We may see one of the hardest-hitting seasons in NFL history. Ooh. Right? Like, there's going to be a lot of... I think we're entering, uh, you know, I think early 2000s, it became less of a running game when guys like Bettis left the game, Mike Allstott, Emmett Smith, these big punch-up-the-middle guys. You know, once they started leaving the game, it became they said it started becoming a thrower's league. But I think now more than ever, you look at some of the young receiver talent out there. I mean, Jamar Chase, uh, Dalvin Cook. Like, not sorry, not Dalvin Cook. Um, who's that guy in Minnesota? I forget his name. I, Justin, I know who you're talking about. Is it uh, Justin Jefferson? Uh, it's just so. I think it's Jefferson. It up. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of young, yeah, Justin re- Jefferson. A lot of young receivers uh, out there, and even our own Jets. It's Wilson to Wilson. I mean, you look at the yeah. Jets receiving core: Corey Davis, uh, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, uh, Braxton Berrios looked fantastic at the end of the last year. Got himself a fat contract. Speedy guy, shifty. You're right, man. There could be a lot of explosive plays. Look at Tyreek Hill, speedy as fuck. They're. There, what was that? No, I'm just. Part, apparently, part of I, like this is something I was gonna get to at, like near the end of the NFL part. I was just talking about Kyler Murray's contract because I was just going over the details. Apparently, part of the contract is he have to he has to have mandatory four hours of weekly film study. Yeah. Which. That's a red flag to me. <laughs> if you have to mandate that as part of the contract, that he has to do. You would think that if you want to be seen as one of the better elite quarterbacks in the league, you, they should be saying, you need to take a break and sleep more so you can only do eight hours of film study a week. Hey, did you ever, do you ever see the movie Draft Day? Of course. Yeah. Vontae Mack, no matter, Vontae Mack, no matter what? Yeah. But, so, like, like, but like Kyler Murray didn't take the money. Yeah. Or no, what is it like like what was the test to see if he read the playbook? He left the money on the back, right? Yeah. It was something like along those lines. Yeah, apparently where, though that's a, that was like a Jamarcus Russell thing too. Is like if you look up the Jamarcus Russell story, apparently they like put a test to see if he was paying attention to like film or something and he failed. Like he he lied about reading the plays or like and like this screams to me that Kyler Murray might be in the same. Well, they're hedging two hundred and thirty million dollars on this, so I mean, I mean, if this doesn't work out, they're protect. They get Jimmy but, Garoppolo. As, yeah, <laughs> the Jimmy G's the new, uh, which is sucks because Arizona was good. They were pretty like, good. They're last year. finally in a position DeAndre to Hopkins. be. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And now you have a guy who has. I wouldn't say a commitment issue, but I would say a work ethic issue. Possible. Yep. Um, speaking of draft day stories, I, my, my favorite NFL draft story is one of my favorite athletes of all time is Deion Sanders. You know this. I love Deion Sanders. Primetime. Neon Deion. He's 
I just, I think he embodied everything that meant to be what an athlete was. He did it all, he, whatever. He worked his ass off. But I forget who it was. Um, but he sat down in his pre-draft interview. They throw down this like 300-page playbook in front of him. And they say, read it. And he's like, I'm not reading that. And they're like, oh, really? What, you think you're better than this? Or blah, blah, blah. And he just turns to them. He's like, what pick are you? And they're like, we're eighth. He's like, I'm not going to be there. And then he just kind of walked away. He's like, I ain't reading that. Which is true. Like, Deion Sanders wasn't going to be at eight. Right? Yeah. But that's that's just awesome. But yeah, back to, like, I digress. Um, This is going to be quite a gun show of an NFL season. And with when saying that is you're going to have the ball aired up, which is one of the reasons why there's so many big hits in the CFL because the ball gets aired up so much with three downs, bigger field. Uh, you have to make the, you have to stretch the ball out a lot more. You can't slow the game down the way you can in the NFL. We just put the ball on the ground, grind out the clock. It doesn't work in the CFL. Um, so you get a lot of big hits because you get a, guy, a lot of guys crossing center. You get a lot of guys, you know, deep ball and shit like that. With this many talented wide receivers and this many talented quarterbacks all together at once, I think I predict two things. You're going to see some of the best hits you've ever seen in the NFL. And you're going to see a record number of interceptions. Yeah. I think secondaries are super important. They're the next, I think next year secondaries are going to be drafted at a higher rate than we like again not to bring it back to the jets very glad we drafted sauce gardner very glad we had like 46 picks in the first round even though there's only 30 teams or 32 teams um but yeah super super important that secondaries will be uh in the league going forward so stoked for the nfl season coming up uh that being said we're actually dude we are at the hour and a half mark, which I think is really fucking impressive for the two of us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so being, for both of us. I mean, it's especially because Dustin. like, we don't need I, I would say that with with Dustin here, because we don't like we message all like full disclosure. Like we talk throughout the week through like discord or like messages and just like Spanish. Shit, like, did you see this or did you see that? But we don't actually talk heavy sports until this with Dustin. You and me talk heavy sports almost daily. Yeah, right. So the fact that we stretched out this for an hour and a half. Speaking of stuff all we that probably, yeah, we talk about, yeah. It's yeah, so, I mean, that's impressive. I was going to say one more thing, though, about the NFL, because this just came to mind. Sure. I'm still scared for Joe Burrow because they still got him no help on the O-line. Not any tangible help. Yeah. That and gonna... that's the reason they lost, because he what was it like average of like four and a half sacks a game in the playoffs yeah that's unacceptable yeah he's gonna they're gonna have to figure something out it's a little bit unfortunate because i think i i love joey b i love his attitude i think he's got the right perspective i think he's you know good for the game as a good face and a good attitude they yeah cincinnati hung him out to dry and hopefully Hopefully they figure it out this year, but um, if they haven't done anything yet, time's running out. But that being said, I think you know we can look towards the end of this show and start 
I was going to say start that process, but that's really fucking weird. That's very odd segue. Very awkward segue, but fuck it. Here, uh, let's do shout outs. The winner of the first ever Tough Enough contest. Maven. Maven Huffman. Uh, funny story. That, honestly, when okay, we were at ahead. Smash, uh, there's this guy who used to DM the Twitter account all the time saying how much Maven was his hero and would just spam us to book him. You need to book Maven. I'm like, I don't even know if the guy fucking works anymore. Maven's my hero. You have to bring him in. And if you look up the guy now, compared to what, like, he looks like he wears a shit ton of makeup and he still has caterpillar eyebrows. Okay, so what's he doing now, though? I think he's still... I think he's trying to act or he's still wrestling a little bit independently, but, like... I mean, I would. I believe part of his gimmick is the theme music, and his theme music is not that expensive to a play at a show. So... (laughs) (laughs) Now, like, I remember the first season of Tough Enough. Really good, the first season. Yeah. And then everything after that, I was just like, oh, this is boring. It was a cool. Well, I mean, the Ultimate Fighter. That even even the Ultimate Fighter in the beginning was cool, and then yeah, it just got saturated. Uh, do you want to do the honors and go first? No, I, I want you to go first. I'm nervous. <laughs> nervous. I don't know. Not not nervous. I'm just like uh, need some time. Need some time to grow. Grower, not a potato. Shower. Yeah, <laughs> potato salad. <laughs> uh, my shout out this week goes to Alec Manoa, and the reason it goes nice. to Alec Manoa is for his. Largely entertaining showing at the All-Star game with John Smoltz <laughs> when he's like, what do you want me to throw? Backfoot slider. Ooh, you're sexy. <laughs> on commentary. Just the moxie the dude has. Yeah, and then proceeds to hit the guy and then says, that's on Smoltzy. Uh, you know, but when the Jays were looking at potentially signing Trevor Bauer, which, listen, I was all for at the time and thank God they didn't because uh, it's a piece of shit. Um... I thought the element the Jays needed was exactly what you just said. Moxie and swagger. And, dude, Manoa in the Red Sox series with Dahlbeck, sit the fuck down. Dude, that's what I want to see. Sit that's down. That's how he tried to say, I said, go get some biosteel. He's like, I drink Gatorade. He's like, we should be drinking biosteel. He's like, that's what I said to him. Yeah, because he just signed <laughs> a biosteel uh, deal. Yeah. So, like, listen, that's the guy is full of character. I believe I heard in the beginning that he bucked a trend of starters not being like in the main part of the dugout. Like normally like on their off day or once like they, they either sit in the clubhouse or whatever, he's always in the dugout, always leaning over the fence. Like he's just a natural personality, like rally leader who just full of piss and vinegar and like yeah maybe john schneider had to hold him back a little bit and tell him to rein it in a bit but listen come playoff time that's the kind of shit if he's if he's feeling it let him go let him throw the team off like i know Mm -hmm. i know they say you don't want the bulletin board shit manoa's stuff is so nasty i don't think it's bulletin board shit i don't think guys get up there and be like we're gonna take this guy yard i think they get out there and they i think there's a legitimate fear when manoa comes to pitch his the movement on his shit is ridiculous uh and he's just 
Well, they're also worried about getting plunked because he's hit the most batters <laughs> <laughs> right now, right? But no, I agree. To the bulletin board thing, I hate that because I've always said if you're a professional athlete and that's the motivation you need, there's problems. Yeah, and if you think that you're giving somebody something to beat you with, then fucking be better. Yeah. Just be better than whatever you're giving them. Like, you you play to win the game. My mindset would be that <clears throat> I don't give a shit about that because they're still not going to beat me. Yeah, exactly, right? So You know, I that that's what my... No, that's a good shout-out. I did, I think, like, I did I think, like, like I said, his attitude out there at the All-Star game was awesome. Yeah, and I think he's going to... I mean, struck out the side. And I think he's... I think his jersey sales are going to skyrocket in the next six months i think oh, into probably. next year i think a lot of people have their vladdy jerseys i think a lot of people have their bichette jerseys unless they get a soto or somebody i think he's the next popular i think he's the guy and uh man i hope he stays with his team long term i hope he doesn't blow his arm out because like a juan guzman remember him man was just throwing heat juan, and then juan guzman and then threw himself threw himself right out of the team um yeah so shout out to Manoa for bringing that that swagger that I had hoped out of a piece of shit Trevor Bauer didn't need it because we had it internally all along yeah no I think I think as of right now he's your home opener slash opening day starter next year well I think he's the first guy you throw out there in the playoffs yes he's your day one starter right now in the playoffs or your wild card starter yeah if it's if it's one game he's probably your guy um, I don't like this whole thing. Well, he hasn't been there, the experience, blah, blah, blah. If he's the hand, if he's the one who's been consistently the best all season, you keep the guy motoring. Because I think if you then take the ball out of his hand in those situations, you may fuck with his confidence well, you a little already bit. See and he then gets when you do need him. You already see he gets yeah. pissed when he gets the ball out of his hands, when he thinks he can go. So I think you, I think he's your ride or die right now in a one game. Yep. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree. No, it's a good one. Um, my shout out this week, and this is for one instance of a video that I sent you, but I think this is kind of more of the entire painting and the tapestry of character of this person is Charles Barkley. Um, I, I've always been a Barkley guy. I think out of the big four sports, when you look at guys that never won a ship, and you're just like, man, that really sucks that that dude never won. Barkley's easily up there. Same with like that that never won a championship, kind of like a Cal Ripken. Um, you know, just classy dudes who are just, you know, great players, but just couldn't do it. Um, Denny Potvin, NHL, um, even Ronick. I mean, Ronick's not necessarily the greatest dude, but I mean, good player, just never won. So. Because this week, he was at a show, and there's a lot of shit going on in the States right now, as we kind of alluded to off the top, with, you know, individual rights, whether it comes to how you identify, or your, you know, kind of your beliefs, or things like that. And he was at an event, and he got up on the mic, and people might be like, well, yeah, he's just being a person, but you have to understand of the era that this dude came up in, and the culture this dude came up in, with... 80s basketball, professional, one of the best in the league, one of the best ever, 
and very easy to be, you know, your stereotypical, as we said, like some of these hockey Canada guys, these jocks who are just like, no macho man, this and that. He just stood up there and he just said, you know, I don't care if you're gay, straight, transgender, whatever. He's like, I just want you to know I love you. He's like, that's it. And if someone wants to have a problem with that, he's like, you can tell him Charles Barkley said, fuck you. (laughs) And to me, like, he's always been a big Toronto guy. He always says how much he loves this city. He's always been a dude where he just seems to have a pretty good moral code and structure to him. And just, just one of those dudes where he's like, that's a good person. And that just really cemented it for me. Because he could very easily be like, I'm in media, I don't want to rock the boat, just kind of stay on the fence or indifferent or just be like, not my, not my thing, mm-hmm. right? But he was like, no, fuck that. People are people. Love is love, right? And so, I don't know, just further cements the respect I have for Charles Barkley, to be honest. Yeah, no, man. He's, he's done a lot of cool things like that lately. I mean, the whole, like, uh, won't touch the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. standing up to, to Kevin Durant's bullshit. He's telling him to be a bus driver instead of a <laughs> bus rider. And Kevin Durant shot back being like, uh, I don't know what you talk about buses. Uh, you know, everyone likes to say this and that about people, but everyone, you know, it's all gravy when they talk to me or whatever. And then immediately Dominique Wilkins is like, I don't like what Durant does. Like, I'm pretty sure it's cemented, like Durant being kind of like the homie hopper. Uh, to borrow from the Zach <laughs> Wilson, the homie opera, yeah, yeah. um, you know, it's. Uh, I like that he's. I like that he's not afraid to say whatever, but it's always on the straight and narrow, and that's pretty cool shit. So, yeah, I, I'm he's, with that. He's just a good dude. Yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of this show. Uh, thanks for sitting with us, Sands, Dustin Perry. Um, as always, you can find us on all socials at forty three point six. We'll try and post more. Uh, you know, we have real fucking jobs too. So sometimes it's tough to, to put out content, but we'll try. So Um, interact, listen, help us get out of our actual jobs. So this can become our actual job. (laughs) And then we'll post more. See, everybody wins. Uh, maybe get sponsored, do some giveaways. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, for Dustin, who's not here, uh, for Maddie, who's over there. And you can't see, but I'm pointing. And for myself, James, thank you all, and we will see you next week.